look, Trip Foreman, Real Water Sports, North Carolina. He's a good friend of mine. I'm a big fan. He's got the most massive shop with all sorts of killer gear. If you like hard goods, you love Real Water Sports. This is a real shop with real gear for real water sports. Phew! Yeah, realwatersports.com. <laughs> so they're a new advertiser, but actually, believe it or not, Pat Rawson, of all people, is the person who turned me on to them back in 2018. Oh, yeah. Because I interviewed Pat, and I don't think he had listened to many podcasts at the time, but he um, started getting good feedback from the interview that we did. And he so he'd listened to one or two episodes. He's like, dude, you know who you should partner with? He goes, I've been working with this retailer out of North Carolina, and they've kind of exceeded my expectations, not only in terms of customer service and the way they do business, but in terms of like the boards that they carry. Because you think if there's a big retailer, they're going to carry these, um, you know, a lot of import boards and all that sort of stuff. These guys are carrying Rossens, Christiansons, Takayama. And a lot of those boards, by the way, are stuff that our listeners will say are hard to get, you know, to get a Christensen or whatever it is. Yeah. It's difficult. So get in line. Or they work with conscientious, good retailers like Real Water Sports. So um, that was in 2018. And finally, we're partnering with them in 2021. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I think I met Trip at Surf Expo in Orlando in like 2013 or something. And he and I were toying with the possibility of maybe doing a boardroom show at his store in North Carolina. Wow. Um, but anyway, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Trips and his shop. And like I said, real gear for um, real gear heads like myself, you know, that, that love to go outside and do stuff. I know Trip said he and Matt, co-founder don't wear bikinis so it wouldn't make sense make much sense to start a business that sells them <laughs> so that's why they're focused on boards uh i think he also said by the way trip that he's uh was hand selected by pat rawson to help judge the icons of foam competition this year is that true yeah i believe that to be true that's that's yes the answer is yes huge yes. like i got my drumstick <laughs> <laughs> so if um any of our listeners need to buy boards, uh, surfboards via retail, realwatersports.com. And even if you don't, at least give them a follow on Instagram just to stare at the board porn. That's uh, Real Water Sports is the Instagram handle. Absolutely. Love it. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit. 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 We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Hey, you know what, David? Tell me. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy, welcome everybody. It's Spit. It is the Surf Talk Show. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass. We missed last week and we apologize. David's pregnant. I look pregnant. <laughs> so we, we had other stuff going on, but that's not like us. I think that's the first show we've missed in a long, long time. I don't mind. Um, other podcasts do seasons, so they'll take two or three months off in between a season, you and I don't. We just power through Christmas, holidays, everything. So if we miss miss a show because of boardroom show prep, I think that's totally warranted. Right. But we're back. We're back. here. And um, I've got this new... Uh, I've got this new... 
segment for the show. You ready for this, David? I don't know if I'm actually prepared for it, but yes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't okay. matter. You're a big part of this, okay? Okay. This is called the Scales of Justice. Dun, dun, dun. The Scales. Play a little lot. Play Law and Order music right now. Yes, this is. We're going to need some post. The Scales of Justice, where the Honorable Judge David Lee Scales presides over various indiscretion and mets out punishment. I like it. <clears throat> Your did, Honor, where did you where did you come up with this? I'm not sure, but how it came about, but. Here's so the situation. Are you the, are you the bailiff in this scenario? Are you a prosecutor? You know what? I'm kind of a little bit of everything. Okay. But um, we know that you're the judge. Okay. The Honorable David Lee Scales, the Scales of Justice. Your Honor, here's the situation. A recent weekend, the South Swell was pumping 25 people in the water and I see a car filled with four surfers roll up into the parking lot. They all pile out, they check the waves, they clamber down the cliff together. And inside of me, I'm feeling a little disgusted. One car just added four people to the lineup. Your Honor, I ask you, I need you to pass judgment. Am I in the wrong here? Or is the car of surfers in the wrong? There's some nuance here, Your Honor. If you have questions about the case, let me know as it might help you come to your judgment. Please, Justice, uh, Scales of Justice, Judge David Lee Scales, please, if you would, pass judgment. I appreciate the case that you laid before me, but there's a couple of details that are important for me to make my ruling. First and foremost, the location what what was the surf spot your honor if it so pleases the court i prefer not to mention the surf spot however let it, the court be known is a major well-known surf spot with a large parking area okay in that case i'm going to side on the part of the four-party surf van that showed up Here's the deal. Four is probably the limit. If there were five or if there were even the vehicle matters, if they show up in an extended van, a sprinter van's even really pushing it. But if they just show up in an SUV, I mean, sprinters are going to be hard to throw completely out because we're talking San Diego County here. But if it's a four-seater SUV, I think that is acceptable at a major surf spot, probably right off of PCH with a paved parking lot. I'm gonna to have to side on the side of environmentalism here rather than those four individuals taking four different vehicles to the beach and then you would just look the other way or not even think twice about it. At least they're being somewhat conscientious of the environment by piling in together and carpooling. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna to have to take their side on this one, Scott. I apologize. The judges rule. All right, well, the judge has ruled and um, let it be known. Okay, well, there's not It's unfortunate. Much it's unfortunate. I fully understand where you're coming from. And there's a time and a place where you would, I would side with you, a different era perhaps, and um, Central California, Northern California, you know, but here, it's where you're at, dude. 
you can't avoid that. <laughs> you're just going to get angry every time you go to the beach if you're trying to fight with that. Your Honor, I understand your ruling. I would just, if you, if you may, if you would, Your Honor, please, if I can just approach the court and mention one thing, and that is, I, why does it matter if it's in Northern California? Why does it matter if it's in Central California? Wouldn't it be better for the society, Your Honor, if we simply had a cut and dried fast rule that everyone lived by? It's based on the population. So you were living in a overpopulated place and you have to acknowledge that. And then you have to make accommodation for all these people who live around you, you know, so you're going to expect to stand in lines at the grocery store. You're going to expect to wait for a, a table at a restaurant. And when you pull up to the beach, you're going to expect to see a car full of four other people. If you were living in a remote part of California where it was harder to access grocery stores, then that comes with a certain level of, privacy and solitude when you go to the beach. So if you would like to live that life, you are more than welcome to relocate your house and your family. But until then, you're gonna to have to put up with the pack of four surfers. It's not a van of 12, dude. Your honor, I'm saddened that you don't see the nuance of the case. However, I'll chalk it up to, to, your, to your city of residence. No, okay, look, I, I just gotta- I got to obey. I got to obey. No, you're not seeing the new the nuance of it all. The Explain. nuance. Of, okay, here's the nuance. There's already 25 guys out. I'm not saying it's not crowded. What I'm suggesting, Your Honor, and if you'll please hear me out, I appreciate it. Thank you. What I'm suggesting is, for the local environment to thrive, wouldn't it be better if the parking lot was filled up with cars which each only had one surfer in it? as opposed to cars that had four surfers in it, thereby making what, it less crowded in the surf environment. What do you mean for the local environment to thrive? The, the surf line, the, the lineup. The, <laughs> that's not the, the local, local environment. That's, the local, that's a super local <laughs> environment. That's a super local environment. And by thrive, you mean for you to get more waves? Is that the definition we're using oh. in this courtroom? No, sir. I, I apologize if that's the way I led you, Your Honor. I don't mean it like that. What I mean to state is all of the guys that showed up by themselves took it upon themselves to say, it's going to be better for everyone in the lineup if I just show up by myself, as opposed to if every car showed up with four guys, there'd be 300 people in the water. Well, now Let's you're leading us down. I'll show very... up with one guy and we only got 25 guys in the water. So now this is a very different argument than what you began by saying good for the local environment. Because showing up in individual cars is actually bad for the local environment and good for you because you get more waves in the lineup. Now, what I will argue is- This isn't you, about me. Sincerely, this is not about me. This is about the big picture of crowds. Okay. Um, I get my I, waves regardless. You know that. <laughs> if we listen to this show, it sounds like it's kind of constantly about you getting waves. So- the court, the courtroom will play the transcript back from previous shows. Um, here's the deal. You're delusional if you think that you're living and that you're more entitled to those waves than anybody else, or that you're even living in a time where there's going to be fewer than 25 people out. I know exactly where you surf all the time. And on a crappy day, on a lots of swell day, 
no matter winter, summer, there's going to be 25 people out bare minimum. And so, and there's, there's absolutely no way to justify the argument that you're making for the location. And the fact that the city or the county built a parking lot that is that large actually means that those people are welcome. And so you're living in a very, um, bygone era, I feel, when it was uncrowded and you want things to be that way, but it's like, look, man, it's just not that way anymore. Okay, so you're okay with cars of four or more showing up at a time? I've, ex I've accepted the reality of the worlds that you and I are living in. So yes, I am okay with it. Okay, the judge has ruled, we'll move on. The judge has ruled on the side of practicality. <laughs> that's not your area of expertise <laughs> or maybe that practicality is, is not <laughs> yeah, <it> is your... <laughs> i'm looking out hey all of our listeners there's yes. a bunch of our listeners there's more than four yes. of our listeners who surf yes. your local beaches yes. and are like they want to be i'm defending them all right i'm on the side of the people okay i'm just the bringing only one a case. A i was just bringing a case before the judge I'm just the bailiff. I just happen to be reading the docket. You know what I'm saying? I feel like you've dreamed of being a lawyer your whole <laughs> life, and this is the way for you to play it out. <laughs> uh, cosplay, man. Somebody scorned you in the lineup. You're just like, screw this. I'm taking it to the airwaves. Well, speaking. Hey, I don't mean to interrupt your segment, but um, yeah, speak, speaking of getting waves, are yeah. you actually surfing again? No. I try okay. to. I just, I had. I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward more aggressively with my foot. There's some, some action being taken so that I can do it. But I did get a new board. Wait, you're moving forward with the recovery aggressively? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Like, or like, the injury is getting worse. No, the injury is getting better, but that's because of an aggressive um, you know, stance that I've taken on um, moving forward with. Pun intended? No. no pun. Um, let me, so I want to dig into that a little bit. Yes. Is this the longest you've gone without surfing in your adult life? No, no, no. I had back surgery and I've had, and I mean, I did surf during that big South swell. It's just to hurt like shit. Like it was really bothering me. Yeah. And I got a new board. Shocking. I got three new boards. Three new boards. In addition to the Hawkeye? No, no. I haven't been able to ride the Hawkeye or the new sunset because of the foot. And then I got a new, um, Graham Smith. I got that board from, oh, yeah. from Smith Shapes. They just randomly dropped it off. And I rode that board during the big South swell, like a week and a half ago or whatever it was and got a few waves, but my foot's bothering me. I have to go in. I can only catch like two or three waves. And then I'm like out. Is so, the Smith, is the Smith Shapes a pointy thruster? It's called the fat monk and it's not a pointy thruster, but it's not a rounded nose board either. It's kind of a tweener. It's basically a wide trifin. Okay. And, um, and for this wide body, it, it feels pretty good. I got to say, I'm pretty psyched on it. Um, so regarding not surfing, yeah. do you appreciate the reprieve? Do you get anything out of it? Is there any benefit to taking time off? Um, I miss surfing, you know, I've been swimming. I've been swimming a lot in the pool, the ocean? Oh, okay. no, in the pool, but, um, the waves have been kind of crappy. 
it's not like I'm missing anything. Like everyone I know, nobody's surfing. Everyone's like, that's oh, you know, like no one's really surfing, you know, except for like the hardcore 20 year old kid. Yeah. But um, I miss it. Yeah. Look, what I realized is that it's going to be hard when I get back out there. It's going to take a month to get back to my mojo level. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I haven't been forced to take any time off of surfing. I've never had any major injuries or anything like that, but I, I will give myself a reprieve um, from it just because of work obligations or travel obligations or whatever's going on. And I'll take a week or two off. And uh, I used to have a lot of consternation about that when I was younger, because I just felt like my identity was surfing. And so I'd feel guilty about not surfing. Yes. And, I've, and then I've gotten to the point in adulthood where there could be swell and I have no motivation and I'm busy with work. And I just accept the fact that I don't have the motivation for it. And that's okay because I have fulfillment out of these other things. And um, it's a much healthier place for me to be in. And I feel like my, despite surfing less, my surfing has somehow improved. Yeah. That's really fascinating actually on a bunch of different levels. So I do kind of know what you mean. Like, so I have had some guilt, like this guilt of, Oh, yeah. but that that's who I'm supposed to be. So, you know, and it's like, but really what it comes down to for me is that all the baggage of, being a quote unquote surfer, put all that stuff aside. I just like being in the ocean physically, yeah. regardless yeah. of whether I'm, you know, have a board under my arm or not. Like to me, it's, and it, and it sounds corny because I'm the first one, as you know, David, to go, Oh God, don't bore me with the spirituality of surfing. Good Lord. However, <laughs> it's cliche because it's true, Yeah, you know? And so, but I really respect what you said because I, I have had some internal moments where I'm like, because I always think about guys that quit surfing, you know, like how did they do that? You know, like I don't know. Like Carl Ekstrom quit when he was like 35 or something, Crazy. you know, whatever. And you know, like at some point Mike Hinson had to stop. Like all these guys stopped surfing, you know, and it's and like then I think of like Bing Copeland or Flippy Hoffman. Those guys went long and deep into their lives, like to where. They were like boogie boarding, you know, right. they were still getting in the ocean. They couldn't get to their feet anymore, but they were willing to boogie board or ride a pipe or whatever. And, and I see that like, Hey, that's, I could see me on that track a little bit more because it keeps me in the water and it's, you know, like, you know, like, I think there's something to be said for just getting in the ocean, but yes, I, I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm, and I'm, and I'm starting to understand where you're coming from, you know, because yeah. The whole, you know, it's the whole surfers, surfers are the worst, you know? Yeah. Well, the obsession tends to be, um, I don't know, fraught with a lot of emotion, like the being obsessive about something, even if you're enjoying that thing, there's an element of addiction in it that yeah. keeps you from actually feeling joy and relief and gratitude and appreciation. And being you're doing it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Being, that's exactly what it is. Anyways, I was having dinner with my dad with my parents last night and um, they had gone for a walk on the seal beach pier in the morning. And there's this, the waves are like one foot pretty much flat, but there was this old dude, 70 something years old, white gray hair, you know, like on a longboard catching these tiny little waves, barely even able to get up because they're so small. 
And a woman walks up to my parents and she's like, oh, do you know who that is? My dad's like, no. She goes, he's, he serves here every single day and he has for decades. That um, Volkswagen van over there that's all tricked out, the old school Vanagon one, like that's his, this is his vibe. This is what he does. And every day he comes down and he catches a couple of waves and uh, it's just what he does. And I thought to myself, I have layered on so much crap on top of my surf experience where I need to check 10 different spots. And what's the tide doing? I start checking before I even leave my bed in the morning. And then that decides whether or not I'm going to go. And then it just becomes so convoluted that I can't just show up and enjoy riding tiny waves next to the pier like that guy's learned how to do. And I thought to myself, man, he's got it figured out. Just the idea of you're either going to wake up in the morning and go for a walk, or you're going to play pickleball, or among all the things you can do in the morning, surfing is the best. So if you can just make that your routine where I'm going to go get in the ocean, the cold water, the sun, and then catch a wave or two and peel off all those layers of bull crap that I put on top of it, that guy's got it figured out. Yeah, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. That's well stated. And he does have it simplified and, um, he can probably, he probably pulls it off in 45 minutes. Boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Totally, totally. You know what I mean? And you can learn from what you just said about Bing <laughs> Copeland. And instead of getting three new boards, you need to get three pipos. And your toe doesn't even matter at that point. Uh, yes. I, look, the boards are just coming to me. I, I don't even know what to say about that. It's silly. You're magnetic. But, but um it's, it's definitely my surfing life is changing. It is. It's my outlook on it, how I do it, when I do it, who I do it with, why I do it. Um, yeah, if you're getting pissed at a van of four dudes showing I didn't, up. Wait a minute. That was the bailiff was just bringing a thing. I wasn't, I just wanted to know how the judge is going to rule. And we've learned that the judge is pro crowd. I am very pro crowd. That's exactly. <laughs> um. What if those four guys paddled out at the pier and sat right on top of that old man and just hassled him? That would be a bummer to see. Well, that's and what I would they're hope, doing. That's what I would they're hope. doing. You're <laughs> the old man in this scenario. <laughs> Self-identified. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so the three boards, the um, uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye we're give it, so we're giving away a Hawkeye today. Oh, cool. Of all, of all the people who support our podcast through the month of August, it would have been, yeah. Uh, we're going to put their names in a random generator app. It looks like the Wheel of Fortune. Yes. Click the button and it lands on one random personal win. I need to compile all of those names today. The mm. final sign-up came through at 1030 at night. Some people waiting down to the last second. How many people do we have? I don't know. I, I don't know. I could tell you once I yeah, figure it out. Um, and then I've got a Jeff Tim Pony board lined up for next month as Sweet. well. Sweet. Yeah, he already sent it over from Maui for me to ride. So um, I think he gonna... might be at the boardroom show. He meant he sent me an email saying I think he's coming. Oh, out. perfect! I didn't I didn't know that. So that's perfect because I wanted to actually get a conversation with him on air about that board, so we yeah. can do that then. But yeah, we try to do these every other month, so that's six times a year. So for any listeners, the reality is we certainly do have sponsors now, but sponsors advertising kind of fluctuates from month to month or throughout the year. And this is kind of a bedrock of support that we can run our business on. And so this is a thank you for all of our listeners. It's also a way for us to highlight board builders. Yes. 
I'm stoked on Tim Crozier, who does the Hawkeye on Blackbird Surfboards. Um, he just showed up. Like, I had no idea. He totally surprised me with that Hawkeye. And I'm bummed I can't get, I need to get on it. My toe is starting to feel better. I anticipate surfing this weekend. Hopefully, um, I'll be able to get get up and going and, and find some waves and, and get that board going because I'm, I'm really excited to ride it, as I am Great. my other two boards, too. So I uh, got to get boards, going on Too little time. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask you if you've watched The Ultimate Surfer at all. I have not watched one bit of it. Nothing. Zero. And it's not because I'm not trying to. I just don't care. I'd much rather watch something else. Wait, it's not because you're not trying to. It's because you don't care. Aren't those the no, same but, thing? No, but I just look at it like I, I, I don't. What I'm saying is like I go to the TV and I click through and there's like 25 options and Ultimate Surfer is not in the top five. That is pretty damning. And it's I mean, I wish it was, but and maybe it's a good show. Maybe I'm missing it. My friends are watching it. I see people watching it. You know, my sons make a lot of people are making fun of it. I don't want to watch it just to make fun of it, you know. That's the most damning. Just so everybody, every some of my friends usually, are watching it. They're all making fun of it. Dude, the what US is the Open tennis is on right now? There's usually really good golf on. There's preseason football. There's so much good stuff on. Do I really want to watch the Ultimate Surfer? And again, maybe I do. I haven't seen it. It might be great. I hope it is. I, the, I would love nothing more for you to go, Scott surprise surprise it's actually fascinating i dig it it's right up there with white lotus and you know breaking bad and it's must watch tv do yourself a favor it's right there with the hundred wave thing on hbr or whatever watch this thing david tell me that please right now tell me i need to watch it it's the exact opposite of those things boom thank you u.s opens on i'm gonna watch tennis it's pretty it's pretty bad dude like and we have we do uh, need to discuss it because it's involved. It is surf culture. Like this is now. Yeah. Really. It either it is bullshit. It either. I'm calling bullshit on that. Here's what sure. surf culture is. Here's let me give you the definition of surf culture. Right now, there's somebody scrambling down the cliff, the goat trail at Blacks, and and you know, like to me, all the other stuff's bullshit. Well, what I mean to say is that there's going to be these kind of entry points for new surfers who then become parts of surf culture who were informed by these things, as opposed to the things that we were all informed by. There's more entry points nowadays. It used to be we all went through the same tiny funnel. And so we all had the same rites of passage. We all had the same etiquette in the lineup. And that's just simply not the, the case anymore. parking lot, the amount of exactly. people show up. Exactly. You can't show up with four people in the parking lot. Come on. Exactly. And so we need to discuss what how this enters our space. Because by the way, this is our space. You You're and right. I can lay I claim apologize. to it. I shouldn't no. have lashed out at you. I apologize. And and yeah, you're not lashing out at me. I mean, it's a it's an absurd thing that we're kind of uh, yeah. I mean, I mean we it, need to, it's truly we an need absurd to question time. whether we should even talk about it. I, I'm going to say a few things about it. Um, but here's what happened to me last Aren't week. Aren't you giving it oxygen that it doesn't deserve? It deserves it. It's earned Whoa. it at this place. Here, here's my experience last week, Scott. I had to look in the mirror and be like, are we, are we in a bizarro world? I've got P I open Instagram and P Diddy 
is dancing on the beach in a body glove wetsuit, pouring out his tequila, talking about how he's going to, if you show up, on, if you roll up on him, you better watch your back. That's what he's saying on the beach, fronting like he's a surfer. Scroll a little bit more. I got Jonah Hill surfing his soft top at Malibu all the time. Then I turn on the TV and I've got these guys who I used to look up to, these QS kind of warriors from, you know, five and 10 years ago, vying it out in a art, fake artificial pool, playing you know, spin the bottle, playing spin the bottle with these girls. One of them's married, Anastasia. And then it's just like the whole thing's absurd to me. And this, are is, you, a bizarre, this is a bizarre I you, world. I heard you say that these are people you used to look up to. Yeah. So you're not looking yeah. up to them anymore. So, so the, everybody it's up to that's them. on the show, you're, you're anti everyone that's on the show. I'm not anti everyone on the show, but I what used are... to look up to them for their surfing prowess and they've chosen something now that they have the opportunity to really leverage to try to make a career out of. And it's a very bizarre thing that they've chosen. And so in order to leverage it to uh, make a career out of it, they need to actually double down on this investment. They need to get on Instagram all day, every day, posting clips of it and telling people to go watch this show. And it's like, dude, if it works out for you and you gain Instagram followers and then next year you're sponsored by Pantene Pro V or whatever, good for you. And maybe you made a couple of bucks off it and who am I to judge? But if this is the kind of last gasp of a desperate career, it's pretty undignified, you know, playing spin the bottle on NB on ABC and then going straight on a wave at Surf Ranch, you can't even do a turn on is ABC. Uh, like literally, so it's, I'm watching it because I feel a need an obligation to the listeners. I might give up after a couple more episodes, but what I will tell you, Scott, there's a version of it, this, that could work and exist and be interesting. Really? Sure. Yeah. Put okay. the surfers on the North shore in the winter time and try to get waves at pipe and getting punched out by locals could be interesting. <laughs> you know, like, how, does, how does the honorable justice David Lee scales fall on that instrument? I want to, I'm for I'm it. I'm going to need to I'm find that out. Okay. But, but the version of being in cow country yeah. and a, like a faked, a faked romantic angle that none of the actual contestants are interested in, in any way. How do you know? Form, How do you know? You that? can just tell, you can just tell they've known each other since they were five years old. You know right. what I mean? Like right. there's, yeah. So there's zero chemistry happening Right. And now the biggest kind of problem for it all is the surfing is simply not good. Straight yeah. out. Yeah. It's straight out not good. And I know Kai Barger rips. I know that Luke Davis rips. But as compared to any of the CT events that we've seen at that pool, it's all three rungs below that. Kai Barger, the reason why he hadn't achieved his professional ambitions is probably because he seems a little bit nervous. You know, he can't put it together in a heat that was exonerate or um, exemplified here is he just could not get out of his own head. He didn't complete a single ride. Kai Barger gets up, smashes one turn on the outside and falls. It's like, what? I just had an idea. Yeah. What if we had like, like Jackson Dorian and Aaron Brooks and all these up and comer, like teen preteens, we take them to the ranch for the reality show. Their challenges are like history. Like for them to even get a chance <laughs> to ride the wave, they've got to like under, they've got to like do a book report on the Odyssey. They've got to do some Homer stuff. They've got to tell us about science. 
And if they pass, then, you know, they do their own. They get a wave. They get a wave and they get to rip because, you know, they would rip harder than Luke Davis does. So we want to see those young guys stepping up, maybe taking some civics classes, you know, learning how to be a good citizen. Things like that. And then here's those Scott's, are the tests. Here's Scott's lesson and then they plan. Get to- <laughs> Scott's lesson plan. Okay, you're going to drive to Cardiff. How many surfers <laughs> no, do you put no. in your vehicle? I don't know. How many seats does the car have? The car has six. Oh, well, then I'll put six. Failed. <laughs> Failed. No way for you. No, seriously, though, that the, I think that would be pretty cool show if we did something like that, where, like, they had to, like, prove that they're becoming educated and they're learning and we're teaching them about just some basics and then they get to rip. Question number cool. two. When you hear <laughs> when you hear the name Dora, who do you think of? Dora the Explorer? Aunt canceled. Yago Dora? Canceled. Kick him off the ranch. We'd like you to look here's the here's the deal. The, the name is Dora. You gotta write a book report. Pick any of the through one of the three. You can pick Mickey Dora, Yago Dora, or Dora the Explorer. And then you just got to write a book report. It doesn't matter who it's about. Wouldn't that be better? I agree. It hey, might be I, entertaining, but it'd be better for surf culture. <laughs> yeah, I just want to see young, smart kids ripping. I don't want to see stupid 20-something-year-olds. Hey, hey, what about yeah. this? I, I saw this on Instagram. I don't know if you saw this, but I'll, somebody said, hey, the ultimate surfer plot twist in the finale, the winner has to have a surf off against Kelly Slater as he's the final boss. And so who obviously smokes them all. So the finale is Slater actually gets the wild card because he whoever is the finale guy has to go up against Slater and Slater gets back on the CT through his own show. Slater takes the 100K, gets back on the CT. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. I did see that. And... Right. The problem with it, and that was Green Room Times deserves yes, a shout out for that. Exactly. But uh, the problem with that is Slater would probably lose. <laughs> it's ultimately going to come down to Slater versus Zeke Lau, and I think Zeke could take him. That would be interesting. Yeah, I like that you're bringing it. Yeah, that's a um, that's an Instagram right there. On the next search, on the next uh, spit. Uh, by the way, Zeke versus Kelly, and Kelly loses. And so that's why Zeke wins this thing is because Zeke is um, he's got the competitive, like he doesn't have the nerves. You could see all the other surfers are nervous on their wave. Bruna Zahn, Mr. Wave. She missed her wave, like paddling, didn't even get to her feet. And it's like, oh my gosh, this cannot be network. This is network television. Are you kidding me? Like it's brutal, dude. Now, I um why why you. are you watching this show? Well, so now I agree with you. After I just kind of processed what you said five minutes ago, I'm realizing I am getting so deranged by social media, by what the WSL is putting in front of me, by P Diddy and Jonah, that I'm just like, I need to put my phone down and just yeah. head to the beach because this is not healthy. Be the not old healthy. man at the Seal Beach Pier, man. Be the old I do it for the people. I do it for the people, dude. I feel like I have an obligation. All these people are talking about it. Our listeners are asking me about it. So I feel like I need to do it. And then I find myself being corrupted. You mentioned Pantene Pro-V. You're not washing your hair, are you? You still got the no shampoo thing going? I have not washed my hair since February 15th, 2015. Brad. Six years. Oh, going on seven. Um, And our unborn (laughs) child will not be 
be poisoned by Johnson and Johnson really? products. This is news. I thought she was going to wash the unborn, the young, the young child's hair. We, yeah. I mean, the reality is she will. I, I'm uh, fighting. I'm fighting for au natural, but I'll lose. Um, yeah. So moving on from the Ultimate Surfer, there is one super exciting surf event, Scott Bass, that I am very much looking forward to taking place tomorrow night. Do you know what it is? Uh, surf 100? Surf 100 is back. Surf 100 was stabbed September 2nd. And you get to vote. TV. Yeah. So uh, I've been a fan of these events. This is the third iteration of it. And um, for those who haven't witnessed it in the past, they the idea is contests create a bunch of unnecessary anxiety and stress for competitors oftentimes. So there's a learning curve of just learning how to surf in a Jersey. This eliminates all of that. This is let's take a free surf and see who surfs the best in a free surf. Scott, let me finish my thought. You've been nodding, shaking your head. No, this whole time you can argue once, once it's your turn, but okay. <laughs> um, free surf, who's the best surfer in a free surf. That is the point of this. And so they did it once at Lowers um, in the middle of a crowd with, I think it was Ian Crane, Griffin Colapinto, Chloe Andino. Chloe Andino won that one. They did it again in at North Point with Jay Davies, Jacob Wilcox, and Jack Robinson. Jack Robinson won that one. The waves were pumping. So the improvement they made on part two versus part one was Lowers was pretty mediocre. North Point was pumping when they ran that. And yeah. so they did this same event down in Mexico and they got Dane Reynolds, Michael February and Mason Ho just after they got done shooting the electric acid surfboard test. And uh, so they already collected the hundred minutes. They shot the hundred minutes. They're now gonna air it in its full run, like a hundred minute as if it's live. They've already scored the event, but you and I, the viewers can watch it in real time and submit scores. And whoever actually gets closest to the actual scores wins two surfboards, a morning of the <laughs> earth and a channel islands. It's an epic program, dude. Yeah. You don't is. think it's, it is? No, I love it. I was just thinking I would add to it. I would, I had this really weird thought and I don't condone the use of psychedelics, but I think it would be kind of interesting if they got those three guys, Dane, um, Mason Ho and Mikey February. And you just said, look, here's the deal. We're going to do one of those. Um, what's that ceremony they do down in South America? Ayahuasca. Yeah. We do an ayahuasca with the local like Mexican guru guy. Peruvian. Peruvian, whatever. But Costa maybe Rican. they just, but we have a little psychedelic. So they eat peyote. Let's just like give them peyote. And, and that's, then they go surf. Like, and the reason I bring this up is this that you mentioned, oh, this is great because it lets them surf in a contest without the pressure of being in a contest. Well, that's the beauty of the contest situation is that who can perform under pressure? Anyone can go out in a free surf and rip. That's not the But what I'm suggesting to you is even in the Surf 100, they still have this sense that they have to perform. And I think if they had a peyote ceremony... Well, all that ego would be gone. They would probably just, I mean, they might end up building sandcastles. Who knows? But just a thought, and I'm talking like from a producer standpoint, like we could probably sell this to ABC. I mean, if they're buying the Ultimate Surfer, we could definitely sell Peyote Palooza. Um, so 
you started by saying you're not an advocate for it. That felt like a commercial for peyote. I feel like I want not, to do peyote. No, no, no. I'm not into drugs. I'm, I'm anti all. I'm just saying like those guys might be is all I'm saying. Right? And if they are, then, you know, I, you might, you I might have, have a show. Better, I have an even better idea. Yes. The ultimate viewing experience for the ultimate surfer would have to be on a hallucinogen because it doesn't work sober, unfortunately. And by the way, have you ever seen a bigger misuse of the word ultimate? I've been seeing people com- complaining about this. It's oh, ridiculous. Matt Warshaw did. I think Matt Warshaw did. He got that. it from me because I post. I said that on Thursday last Good week. He you. posted it on Sunday. Good but it you. is the biggest misuse of the word. There's nothing ultimate about it at all. Yes. The, the surfing is an ultimate. Like the waves are an ultimate. The drama is an ultimate. None of it's ultimate. So anyways, um, uh, surf 100 <laughs> stab yes. or surf 100.tv. I think is still, they're still using that website and it airs September 2nd. Wow. Pacific standard time at 6 PM. So if you're around the world, you'll have to do the math on that, but Pacific standard time, September 2nd, 6 PM. I'm going to be watching live. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm stoked. Stab continues to raise the bar and um, it's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Scott, why don't you give us a commercial for the boardroom show? What is happening? Oh my God. Boardroom show is coming up September 25th and 26th. Tickets are available now. We've got all sorts of cool exhibits. We've got uh, Douglas Surf Products is doing their How It's Made exhibit, which is basically stages of the surfboard build process. We've got Best in Show presented by Zio Baffa Organic Italian Wines. And we will have uh, an area filled with incredible surfboards and they're all vying for um, first plot, first prize in best in show, which is being judged by Joe Roper, Peter St. Pierre and Wayne Rich. We also have boardroom talks hosted by Chris Morrow. That's going to have some great panels and discussions and seminars. Um, I, Fred Hemmings is flying over from Hawaii to be a part of that. Randy Rarick will be on that panel as well. There'll be some other um, interesting stuff. Chris is still kind of putting those together. And um, let's see. Well, of course, we've got the icons of foam, right? The shape off honoring Pat Rawson, which is what we do each and every year. We honor legendary shaper. This year it's Pat Rawson. And we've got eight shapers battling it out to um, not only pay homage to Pat Rawson, but to highlight and to lift up the, the sacred craft of hand shaping a surfboard. That's the icons of foam. And of course, the entire venue is going to be filled with a killer surfboards, wetsuits, fins, gear, uh, Carver skateboards. It's got a cool little outdoor skate area. We've got live music outside. There's going to be a vintage surf swap outside as well. Um, so it's a big weekend, exciting weekend, and um, it's coming together here. It's a little bit more than three weeks away. Um, let's break down the icons of foam. We always allude to it, but we haven't really hit it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So the honoree often is known for a certain style of board. For Ben Ipa, it was the sting. And so they take an exam or Jerry Lopez, that lightning bolt. So they take an actual lightning bolt from the era, like an original, bring it in, bring it in. And then the shapers, you guys order the appropriate blank and even stringer glue up to match that exact board. And then the shapers have 90 minutes in a fishbowl kind of shaping room. So all of the attendees can watch what they're doing, but they're limited to 90 minutes. Are they limited by the implements and tools that they can use? 
Yeah, there are some rules regarding they can basically they bring their own tools in. Each shaper okay. brings in his own tools. They're only allowed five minutes to measure the board before their 90 minutes start. So they get five minutes beforehand. Then we take all the measuring devices away from them and their um, their uh, 90 minutes begins. And uh, yeah, and is this it, year, yeah. Is it uh, practical to be able to shape a board in 90 minutes or is that a bit of a rush? I mean, it puts a little bit of pressure on the people, which is kind of what we want to do. I mean, the, the whole idea here is to see who's got the chops, you know, who can handle the pressure and who's done a ton of boards. And there's guys that walk into this shaping room almost too casual. <clears throat> They've shaped so many boards. They don't give it too much thought and maybe to their demise a little bit. And then there are other contestants that are going to be like feeling some pressure, you know, to be able to pull this off in front of everybody. And, you know, the, got the entire shaping community sort of staring down on them and watching them go through this. So again, it's a, it, it is a heated competition, but it's also um, very much to honor Pat and each of these competitors know that, but they each have, you know, they all want to do well and they all, and of course there's a thousand dollars on the line first prize is a thousand bucks. So um, it's going to be incredible. We have Ryan Birch. Um, let me see if I can go through real quick the shaping. So Saturday morning at 9 a.m. it's Valerie Duprat versus Timmy Patterson. Then so are there two team, shaping bays? Yeah, there's two shaping bays. Got it. And they go on man-on-man -on -man heats. So the first heat is Valerie Duprat versus Timmy Patterson. Then the next heat is Ryan Birch versus Ryan Sakel. Then the next heat is Ricky Carroll versus Bill Barnfield. And then the following last heat on Saturday afternoon is Chris Christensen versus Chris Borst. So there's one winner from each one of those heats, and that winner obviously moves on to Sunday semifinal, and then the final Sunday afternoon. So are there going to be three, three, three different board designs yeah. that they're replicating? Round one is one of the board designs. Round two, obviously, a second board, and then round three, a completely. So they don't know which boards they're getting, and um, and sometimes you know Pat and me and the guys at us blanks we throw a little twist into the blank we throw a little bit of either add some rocker or pull some rocker away we make it a little bit more difficult um as we move through the rounds so that um it's not as simple as skinning a blank you kind of got to find the rocker within the foam and um you <laughs> said that they can measure the blank for five minutes before the 90 minutes start once that 90 minutes starts, can they at least go back out and look and feel the original board while they're shaping? Yes, you're correct. They can do that. They can go out. They just can't measure it. They can't measure it. No, they can't okay. do any, put any more measuring devices on the board once their 90 minutes start, but they can go pick it up, put it under their arm, yada, yada, yada. They can check it, it out for sure. Yeah. And what are the three boards they're replicating? Well, I can't tell you what the three <laughs> boards are. We got to keep those under wraps. So I thought everybody... I could get you out of it if I uh, ask. I get it, get it out of you if I ask casually. Well, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, right? Every shaper that we honor generally has one board that they're kind of known for, and certainly Pat Rawson is known for his Hawaiian guns. So you can anticipate there'll be at least one Hawaiian gun in the fray, and um, it's going to be cool. And we're having, looking forward to it. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, Trip Foreman. Uh, Roger Hines and Pat are the judges, so they judge after each heat, and um, and then yeah, just keeps moving through the heats, and then uh, 
well on to the finals on Sunday. Can I ask you how these things are judged? Are they actually measuring like every couple inches? Are they, is it more the, who gets the feel of the board correct or the, you know? Yeah, that's a precise? good question. I can't an answer for what the judges are going to be looking for. It's kind of up to the judges, but my past experience with these shows will tell me that um, sometimes there's a specific thing that they're looking for. Like if everything else is nailed, like they nailed the outline and they nail the thickness and they the board looks good, they might go, okay, but did he get the tail rocker correct? You know, there'll be one thing that's sort of like they, they can use to kind of differentiate. And um, then of course, when they go to the next board, it's a completely different thing. And, and sometimes it gets to a point where it's just so close that, you know, they just look at it and they, and Pat, Pat knows, because these are Pat's boards, and Pat will just be like, let's grab the one that he thinks is the best, go, this is it. Yeah. You know, this is the one right here. You know, like, it's just, it feels like the one. Exactly. You know? Which, and it's come down to that. I mean, the Brewer one we did a number of years ago, that was just, like, impossible to judge. We had, probably because we had too many judges. We had, like, seven judges. Everyone's like, oh, I want to be a judge. That yeah. was a mistake. I learned from that. You know, I, I don't allow more than three judges. You really yeah. only need one judge, but... The so, other three, yeah. Um, and the they're judged anonymously. The boards are not marked in any way that would identify which one's Timmy's versus Valerie's. Right. Yeah, no, the judges don't know who's who. They just, it's an anonymous blank. There's no sign, you know, signature yeah. on there or anything. Yeah. And where, what happens with these masterfully crafted surfboard blanks? Well, round one, there'll be eight finished surfboards, right? Those are all spoken for. Those go to the people that purchase dinner and a surfboard with Pat Rawson on Friday evening. We have a, an intimate exclusive dinner for eight people. So they pay for that. And one of the things they get is um, one of those finished planks. Is that already then, sold out? Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. we were going to sell it right now. No, I, I'm happy to say it's sold out. And um, Good job. Yeah. And Randy Rarick will be in attendance with Pat Rawson. Randy bought one of the tickets. He's going to get there one of go. those boards. So yeah, that's what, that's what goes down with the boards. Sweet. Yeah, man. Awesome. Uh, board, when is it? September 25th, 26th? Yeah. September 25th and 26th. You can go to boardroomshow.com and buy tickets and we're pretty excited about it. And of course, you know, if you're um, not coming to Southern California, if you're, you know, wherever you may be, Australia or Hawaii or New Zealand or somewhere in Europe, or maybe you're in Mexico, um, you'll be able to see parts of the show. We'll, we're going to do a live stream Saturday and Sunday. I think about three hours each day will be live streamed on Surfline and Magic Seaweed. And then you can, you can, um, you don't have to watch it live. We'll be looping it. So if you can just tune in anytime you want on Surfline and watch it, watch some of the show Sweet. and see some of the stuff. Yeah. Sweet. I'll be there. Um, what are, are there any pro uh, COVID protocols that you have to announce or that people should be aware of going into it? Um, you know, San Diego County um, and the state of California, both of those entities, we have to abide by their policies and their mandates. And right now they're saying um, for events indoor that have over a thousand people at a time, you need to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours. And if you're showing us a negative test, um, you will also have to wear a mask. Now, with that in mind, my staff and I are going to only allow 950 people in the hall at a time. 
So you won't, you know, we're, we've got a counter and we're going to stop it at 950. And when somebody comes in and somebody else can go back, you know, like when somebody leaves, somebody can go yeah. in. So we'll, we're going to keep it at under a thousand people um, so that we don't have to meet those county requirements. But you would be wise if you showed up because things are fluid. The situation's fluid. They could change the way they see things. They could make us do things a little bit differently. So you'd be smart to get vaccinated, have your vaccine card or get a COVID negative COVID test and have that available because we want you to come and have fun and have a good time and it, it'll be good. Got it. I'll be there. Um, did you listen to that six minute phone call from rainbow that I sent you? I did. I listened to it twice. Can we discuss it? We can try. <laughs> we can try to discuss it. It was, it was quite a lot to uh, get into. By the way, I do have a hard out in 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Even before then I should get off anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. I scheduled 10 o'clock out of here, yeah. but we'll pitch to rainbows call in from New Zealand and then you and I'll come back and discuss it. Hello, David and Hamamaki Titane. Oolong time listener, but first time caller from Taranaki. From the outset, the listener's patience is going to be tested. Because how can a random visit to a gift shop with my girlfriend be at all pertinent and surf related? It may take some time, but this is going to get real relevant real quick. Last week, on a back road in the far north of New Zealand, we flew past a cowrie wood shop and the good doctor insisted I'd turn it around and I thought, oh god, this is going to be an overpriced junk kind of shop. The kind a guy like me wants to die on the door sill of rather than cross it. But inside, the quality of work is incredible. The best are the huge table slabs over four inches thick and some with epoxy composite artwork those are exceptional. Then in the corner of my eye, this hulk of a man walks in, and I identify him immediately as a serious competitive axeman from a wood chopping video I'd watched previously. Despite his age, you know he's the real deal as an axeman, because he's got a digit missing from one hand, and on the other hand, any one of those fingers, Chaz will be proud to have as a penis. But I've seen enough. So go outside and sit on a bench, and I notice there's a pair of dirty work boots sitting a few feet away. So, I sit and I wait. The axe man comes out, and I compliment him on his epoxy tables. The clarity of casting, the lack of bubbles and intrusions, and how did you get that thickness? Did you use a slow, low exothermic resin? So we cut into the technical process for a while. He says, you seem to know a lot about using epoxy, what do you do? I make vacuum bagged composite epoxy surfboards for myself. Ah, oh, he says, you'd be interested in this then. He starts flipping through the gallery on his phone, and he shows me a log. Now a little bit about New Zealand carry. It's of medium density and is a great modulus of elasticity. It's slow growing with a knotless fine straight grain. It's second only to sequoia in individual tree size and total mass. It's prized for boat building and high-end furniture. It makes good musical instruments and is good for wood turning. But best of all, it works up beautifully and has a light, golden, glistening finish. He goes on to tell me, five years ago, I came across this log in a yard of a guy who was trying to sell him some cabbage junk carry. It is not a full-size tree, 
but he can tell from the outside. It has a rear and unusual grain pattern. It's about 12 foot long and 5 foot in diameter. And he makes an offer on it of 18,000 Kiwi dollars and gets politely declined. Time passes and he hears the owner has died. So he asked a mutual friend what happened to the log. It's with a guy in Whangarei, whom he discovers is having business and marriage troubles, both of which are going belly up. So he swoops in again and secures the log, this time for 35k, that's 24,000 US dollars. He mills it and gets only 5 slabs off of it, but the grain and figure as it's known inside is immaculate. It's called fiddleback because the figure is very curvy and regular, just like from a far off groundswell. It's extremely decorative. Its use in high-end orchestral instruments is where the fiddleback name comes from. So he dresses the slabs, applies a, a layer of epoxy to stabilise them, and finds a buyer for four. This intermediary on-sells him to Stefan the German. Now Stefan is a guy who works out of Los Angeles in Berlin, and he moves the slabs on to America. At some point the intermediary asks my friend what he thinks of the German because the Axeman's had dealings with him in the past. Well, he's as slippery as an eel. And so it proves, because as the cargo is unloaded, it is dropped on the wharf and breaks the strongbox. When the damage is inspected by the insurers the next day, it is discovered that one of the 800 plus pound slabs is missing. Now, the reason he's telling me this is because a month ago, he took a call from California from a surfboard maker by the name of Larry Fuller and he has bought one of the slabs. This Larry guy wants to steam a 7 inch bend into a 2.5 inch thick cut from one of the slabs and he wanted some advice. So what do you think is going to happen when he steams it? Well 7 inches is a lot of rocker so I expect he's anticipating some return but it could go pear shaped because the wavy grain is going to want to de-stress and straighten isn't it? Yep, he's going to be pushing shit uphill. So I told him just that over the phone. Now, basic wood of this kind is in very short supply because the tree is nationally threatened and they are not cutting down trees in any numbers. But logs with burled grain are highly prized and are about a 1 in 250,000 fine. And this fiddle-backed grain carry wood is a singularly unique piece of material. Nothing of this kind is coming up on the market again ever. I voiced there are very few clients who can afford this type of substance. He flicks again and finds another photo of Larry and a kid called Kelly whom he says he's making the board for. Ollie says he's not much of a kid he's bald as a badger. Just like you he's he's a world champion. So maybe this board is going to be too prized a position and possibly never show up in public. Or perhaps hopefully it might appear at a forthcoming boardroom show. Who knows, but because the bulk of this wood is in the US market now, I'm thinking the surplus is going to be made into veneers to extract the most out of the investment. And if not the boardroom show, you can be pretty sure you'll see it at a luthier's show, like headstock, in the form of a guitar, which this wood is eminently suited for. It could be legitimate wood, or it could be of dubious heritage, but it's got an interesting provenance. So keep me updated, Scott. I'm Rainbow, and this is my holiday story. All right, we're back, Scott. Uh, so Rainbow, longtime listener, longtime contributor 
to this show. I feel like he's really helped craft uh, not only themes and content, but even vibe. Well, frankly, he's a friend of ours. Yeah, like, totally. We know him by his first name, which we won't give out here, but um, we've he's both come visited. to California. He's come to California. We both visited with him and his girlfriend. And, uh, and yeah, he's, he's, he's a, I'm stoked on rainbow. And I know you are too. So what's funny about that is, um, do you know, Larry Fuller? I do. Yeah. Okay. So Larry Fuller, I don't know if he knows that Larry Fuller is that that's what Larry Fuller does, or if he just mentioned Larry Fuller's name and that was the first time that he had come across him, but Larry, does Larry do that for a business? I don't know Larry that well. I've actually okay. never actually had a conversation with Larry. I don't think, but I've been in the same circles with Larry for a number of years and I know what he does. And so for the listeners that don't know, Larry has come across some great wood, some old growth sequoias. He's found his way into some really great wood. And he's, he's had legendary shapers make incredible surfboards out of this incredible wood, like Al Merrick. And I know Wayne Lynch has done them and Donald Takiyama. And I'm sure a number of other people like, like Ben, I, you know, a bunch of all the legendary guys have, have built boards out of this incredibly sourced, this incredible wood that Larry Fuller has sourced. And um, yeah, so that's what, that gives the listeners some sense of who Larry Fuller is. Yeah, I, I've i never met him either. And I've heard his name, though, pop up periodically. And it's always like I was at um, Carl Ekstrom's house years ago. And in his garage, he had like a giant redwood uh, surfboard blank glued up. I'm like, what is that? He goes, oh, yeah, this buddy of mine. You know, I got one. Al Merrick got one. And I forget who the other person. There was three people who got him. He's like, oh yeah, it's like a $10,000 surfboard blank, you know, like because yeah. of the wood and he had this whole backstory about the tree and where it's from and all that sort of stuff. And I was just like, wow. So, so you're going to shape that. And then what do you do with it? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to shape it, but I think it goes to an auction or there's already a buyer for it. All of that stuff is lined up in advance. But I was just wondering, like, is Larry, is that Larry's business or does he do it is he a woodworker? And then this is just kind of a side project. Are the shape know. okay? I don't know anything about Larry other than what I've told you. To be honest, with okay. you. I don't know how he makes a living, but I've never seen those boards finished or where they end up, and that's what I'm curious about. I can't imagine they end up in the ocean. Do you ever see them at auction or anything? Um, they're around where they. I you know, he's had some people reach out to me about putting them in auctions and. You know, the thing is, is that I, I can't speak for Larry's business or what he, how much he wants for him. Those boards are around and they're gorgeous. And I know that, I know Wayne Lynch did some and I know Carl's done, like all the legendary shapers have, most of them have had a crack at doing these boards. Yeah. Um, I don't know where they end up. You know, they're obviously wall hangers somewhere. They're gorgeous boards. They're worth every penny that they get for them. Um, but it was funny to hear his name pop up here, right? I know. Like, did it I know. did it come out like so? So what I got from Rainbows, I got a lot from it. But one of the things was that this crate of wood fell on accident and split open the the box that carried all the slabs, and then one of the slabs was missing. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then he said, Larry Fuller. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? No, but he didn't. didn't he wasn't blaming make, Larry. No, he I'm was, not making the connection. But all of a sudden, 
Um, well, go ahead. What was the what was the I, next part of it? The way that I interpreted it was that the German businessman who imported them was the shady character. Yes, and Stefan. Stefan. Yeah, exactly. So, but the wood that was accounted for went onto the market, you know, and that's what Larry ended up with. But the one that wasn't accounted for that he collect insurance for probably ended up, you know, ended up um, pocketed somewhere along the way. Well, it's an amazing thing that, that they mentioned, you know, like basically bending seven inches of rocker into that flat thing, which is what Larry, I think, was did or was going to do. Um, or maybe they milled it and they laid it. I don't know. It's just I'm not sure how it. I don't know. I'm not a woodworker, frankly. I'm not even, a, I'm not a surfboard shaper. I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know too much about this stuff, but um, this, this wood from New Zealand, it's called cowrie or carry or something. Carry yeah. or I something. looked it up. It's kind of an interesting wood. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's fascinating is in the guitar world, um, there's guys that are constantly looking for sustainable woods or woods that where they don't have to mow down forest to get the wood for the guitar. And I'm going to butcher this a little bit because I don't have it absolutely right. But there's there's certain types of wood that people get that um, I think it's like Brazilian rosewood or something, but it's which is illegal to have, except you can get legal wood that's that's underwater that that was flooded. Like there's all this wood that's flooded. And then hmm. so what guys do is they somehow or another, they get cranes and they pull this wood out of these swamps and it's been somehow it's calcified or it's been protected in some way. And, and they get this insane wood. Like they have a name for it. It's called something like swamp wood or something mm -hmm. like that. And that's the case in New Zealand. They're saying in New Zealand, this carry wood, like 300,000 years ago, there were tsunamis and floods that buried the entire forest. And so wow. they're literally pulling this, this wood out of swamps. And you can do that and use it for commercial purposes. You can't cut down this wood in, from a forest. That's illegal. They're protected. Right. But the stuff that's already fallen, that's underwater, you can go harvest that stuff. And it's a known tactic that a lot of people are doing. And um, and it's looked, it's regarded as a great thing. You know, it's, it's good for the environment. And, right. And so that's, I think, what some of this carry wood comes from is this like 300,000 year old tsunami wood that's been underwater forever. It's pretty amazing stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the market for furniture and you can afford it, those slab, like kind of live edge slab tables are unbelievable. They're so beautiful, you know? And yeah. so to be able to have some exotic wood like that, that's gorgeous. And that's what you're looking at all day, every day. It's a fine investment as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Well, I'm stoked to see what Larry does with this with this piece i hope i get to see it i hope it shows up you know like i said he's done some he's he's lined up some great shapers with some gorgeous wood and the stuff is mind-blowing like it's it's yeah. legit mind-blowing like mental cool stuff and i've seen some takiyamas I, I i think i might have sold one i may have sold a takiyama at auction one time from from larry's collection but he gets all this crazy stuff like this random sequoia that you're not allowed to cut down, but because it fell down naturally yeah. or it was struck in the lightning or something, you're allowed to get, like you can get in a lottery to buy it or something. And then he, I think he had some old, um, you'll, you'll be into this. He had some old wine casket wood 
that they used, they glued, which had this just gorgeous, you know, sort of Cabernet coloring to it because of the wine. And that stuff is just Sophia, fascinating. Hey. Super beautiful. Sophia. <laughs> oh my God. Sophia, you, what have you done, Sophia? What You're a bad jerk. Dog. You're a bad dog. What a jerk. She doesn't like the mailman. I'm sorry. Oh. Stay in here. Hey, Sophia's you protecting you, man. Protecting the pregnant lady. Um, Good girl. She's Good girl. Pregnant lady. Anyway, sorry about that. It's all right. Okay. Um, well, shout out the listener line, by the way. Normally the calls are 30 seconds to one minute. That was a long one from Rainbow, but feel free to call in. The number is 760-237-0150. And um, leave a message. Ask Scott. Maybe no, don't weigh in me. on the scales of justice. <laughs> yeah. Ask Actually, Scott about surfboards. Present Honorable Judge David Lee Scales with, um, you know, your own court case. Maybe you have a situation that needs to be, um, you know, we need we need to learn from the judge what the proper uh, situation there is. We need a ruling, damn it. And if you've got a situation, call in. Um, also, before we sign off, I want to give a shout out. The must-see moment rainbows in the rear view from the guys on Maui, mainly Albie layer. I think Albie actually edited it, but it's about 40 minutes. It includes Matt Miola, Kai Barger, Dej O'Connell, um, Tori Meister, that whole crew from Maui. This is, these guys have been setting the boundary for airs, for barrels, for jaws, like knifing in at jaws for a decade now. And I know we all know their names. I still feel like they don't get enough credit because they're freaking remarkable. Well, absolutely. And um, let's see, I think that, you know, I had a musty moment, but I can't find it. Anyway, so we get it next time. Rainbows in the rear view. Rainbows, right, in, rain the Rainbows in the rear view. Okay. Well, we got to go. It's been a great yeah. show. Um, until next week, David, adios and aloha.
up to 